Trump refers to Kim Jong Un as Rocket Man on a suicide mission. Rocket Man. And, and threatens to totally destroy North Korea. Shocking. On fr uh, Friday, North Korea's diplomat cancelled his visit to the UN, which is unprecedented, by the way. And on Saturday, he came back and said, <clears throat> I'm not going to put on an Asian accent because some people will find that offensive. Oh, I will. Due to his lacking of basic common knowledge and proper sentiment, he tried to insult the supreme dignity of my country by referring to it to a rocket. By doing so, however, he committed an irreversible mistake of making a rocket's visit to the entire US mainland inevitable all the more. None other than Trump himself is on a suicide mission. In case innocent lives of the US are harmed because of this suicide attack, Trump will be caught, held totally responsible. What else could be a bigger threat to other than the violent remarks such as pouring fire and fury, total destruction coming from the top authority of the world's biggest nuclear power. North Korea has threatened to de detonate a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific Ocean. So the rhetoric goes backwards and forwards. Trump threatens North Korea. North Korea uh, responds. What, what's your impression so far? Okay, um, okay, let me say from the outset that we are dealing with a despicable and horrible regime and uh, North Korea is not very good either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can you get a load of this guy? See that sense of humour? Yeah, this show's going to be great by the way. It's going to be so great that this guy behind us has got a boner. Um, Definitely a boner. Uh, yeah, no. Let's look a look at North Korea. It's uh, it's a horrible regime. Um, Disgusting. It's basically a, necroc a necrocracy. Um, What's that mean? That means that the all the it's really governed from the dead. I mean, the the original Kim who took over after the the Soviets pulled out. Right. Uh, well, okay, basic history. Um, after the, uh, the 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 Japanese invaded. They had they were in control of Korea until just after the Second World War right. when Japan was defeated. They committed a lot of atrocities there. Yeah, uh, pretty bad stuff, uh, both in North and South Korea. Uh, after the we Japanese were defeated, um, we could at a later point. Uh, we after the Japanese were defeated, the Soviets came in and they basically ins installed their uh, guy who was a you know who seemed to be Marxist uh, communist inclined. Uh, and the Kim dynasty has ruled ever since. But uh, the, the kind of new guys don't really make up any more laws or anything like that. It's all to do with what the supreme and original leader has enshrined in law. And uh, so that's what I mean by a necrocracy. It's the dead guy who's really running the show. Um, it's You have a situation in which um, anybody who speaks out or is deemed to be a criminal or an enemy of the state, uh, not only do you go to jail for probably the rest of your life, but three generations, there were three That's generations. Right. The family will be punished yeah. for your actions. So that means that your grandchild will be born and will probably grow up and die 
in a prison camp because uh, you've spoke out or tried to defect. I think over the years there's been something in the region of maybe 30,000 defections from wow. the north to the south. There's only been, as far as I know, about half a dozen uh, profile sort of defections to the north. God knows what goes on there, but but there you go. And I don't even know if there were proper defections because I know in the demilitarized zone in between North and South Korea, that strip of land, um, you, whenever soldiers from the South even open a door into that area, they all hold hands so that when they open the door, one of them can't be pulled out and pulled over into the into the north, and and the glass guy in the line kind of like grips onto something before right. they open the door. So it's a, it's a, I don't think there's any doubt that it's a it's horrible, a horrible it's place. A horrible place. Yeah, it's probably the worst place on earth. Uh, they I, don't have I don't any, think that would be an exaggeration. They don't have any love stories in North Korea. All of the movies are about the regime. Uh, they've got concentration camps, but when the UN uh, criticised them for having concentration camps. The North Korean administration said, well, we don't use that term, therefore we don't have them. Are they rehabilitation camps? <laughs> well, I don't know what they Holiday are. Holiday camps. But they're, they're like Butlins or okay. Contons here. So that was yeah. your preface. That was my preface. You were saying, there's no doubt we're dealing we're with no a horrible... We're no doubt we're dealing with a horrible regime. Uh, however, does it pose a credible threat uh, to either ourselves or America? Does it pose a credible threat to its neighbours? Um, I, I, I kind of believe that it does. However, what we do with that information is probably another argument. Is Donald Trump helping the situation? I mean, I, I, I kind of like a sort of robust and hawkish response where it's necessary and warranted. Um, you know, that kind of whole Teddy Roosevelt type, type thing. And I think a lot of Americans do respond to that. But I don't think it's helpful. And I think even the South Koreans have yes. said that it's not helpful and they favour dialogue, which yes. would seem to suggest that the, the dialogue's on the table. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, this stuff, war is the meant to be the last option. Now, <clears throat> on that point, the newly elected leader of South Korea, the South Korean president, Moon Jae, has proposed direct negotiations with North Korea leading to a peace treaty. The US has opposed that. They've said they're not they're not into any bilateral processes. They want to tell the North Koreans what the terms are and the North Koreans are to accept. In fact, the US laughed off an offer made by the Russians and the Chinese government uh, with the agreement of the North Koreans for a double freeze. And these were the terms. The North Koreans would suspend missile launches if the US and South Korea would suspend military exercises running in South Korea aimed at an overthrow of the North Korean government. Um, the US ambassador, Nikki Haley, was bragging at the U UN that the new sanctions against North Korea would result in a near complete blockade of the country. Now, would you not, cons if someone was doing that to your country, creating a near blockade, not that much goes into North Korea anyway, would you not first consider that an act of war? Well, a blockade is an act of war. Well, you, I think there's, there's a distinction, there's what they call a close blockade, um, which is basically what the, the Allies done to Germany uh, uh, before the First World War, which is like they blockaded uh, Hamburg so that you, they, they couldn't get uh, anything in or out. I think the close blockade is definitely against international law. 
So I don't know whether it's what I don't know whether technically it's a close blockade or whether it's more open, i.e., on the high seas where they just prevent shipping from getting in there. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely if there was North Korea, I would see it as a as an yeah, If you war. were North Korea, yeah. so here's the thing: the South Korean government shocked the world by announcing eight million dollars of humanitarian aid to North Korea for pregnant mothers and infant children. And this is why. So the South Koreans, from their perspective, there is a big appetite to reunify the country. They basically see the North Koreans as their their brethren. Of course, they are. they're they're um, ethnically hom homogenous, and despite the fact that because of poor nutrition and things like that in North Korea, um, North Korea are North Koreans are uh, considerably shorter than South Koreans just because of diet and things like right, that. Okay. South Korea has 40 times the productivity, at least. Now, as, of, as Tam has outlined, the North Korean regime is incredibly horrible, right? The question is, what is the way forward? Because, you know, Kim Jong-un has been called a madman, uh, like Assad and Gaddafi were, but the thing is, from his perspective, he's protecting his own self-interests as horrendous as they, those yeah. may be, right? He does not want to be shot in the head. He does not want to be taken out of power. So the more, so what I'm wondering is, you know, we are, by closing ranks, is America increasing the temperature? Because Gaddafi disarmed, yeah. he was taken out of power. Libya gave up their nuclear weapons program and their government was overthrown. So then we go, well, why is this guy whose borders we've stationed troops on for decades um, and been threatening to take out of power since the late 90s? Uh, well, mostly the thousands. Like, what what message does that send out? So, okay. But, but okay, and the sanctions, sorry, before you go yeah, on, sure. I'm interested in what you have to say. But the sanctions, obviously, that's a terrible move. That's just going to hurt the people. That is not going to hurt the people at the top, the really bad people. And you say, well, we want to starve them into overthrowing their regime. Well, you know, it's not that easy to do that no. in North Korea. It's a very repressive regime. If you talk out, how, how are you meant to organize anything yeah. when they have these weekly meetings where you're meant to tell on each other you're meant to say yeah. every week what you've done wrong and what the, you've yeah. seen other people do wrong well, because if they don't if you don't yeah. and then they later find out that you were in the presence yeah. of somebody who spoke out then you'll be going to jail as and well your family yeah. and your yeah. for three generations yeah. so yeah uh, well all i was going to say is i think it's important to remember that it was north korea who immediately invaded uh, the south um like i said after the, the soviets left um, right. And the Americans clearly at that time went in to stop that invasion and pushed them, pushed the North Korean army right back almost uh, into China. Um, and there's always that old argument, should the Americans have crossed the parallel? But it would have meant certain right. war with China. That was the, that was the problem. Um, but so the, the, the North Koreans were definitely, in my view, at least the aggressor at that point yes now they don't have peace no peace treaty was ever actually signed officially north korea and the south korea are still, still a war. state of war right um there's only been a ceasefire right. that's been that's been in uh, place since that since that time 
So it's it's a fucked up situation, and I don't know whether this guy uh, Kim is actually. I don't even think I don't even know if he's on the same planet as Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein and this, but I think I, I don't know is, is he a is he a he rational actor be. is he a rational he player? Could, well, the thing is, what do you mean by a rational actor? Because say um, in Austrian economics, okay. <laughs> Austrian economics, I knew Samarov would get economics in here somewhere. Along when the line. even when we were doing foreign yeah, whatever policy, subject, <laughs> uh, when we say a rational actor in Austrian economics. We don't mean someone who's rational, uh, okay. who's making rational decisions. We mean uh, objectively. What we mean is someone who is taking steps towards a goal. So, in 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 this worldview, everyone's always rational. Their goal might be garbage, right? Yeah. My goal might be to kill my neighbour, but my grabbing a knife with that goal in mind is rational. Okay. So, from the perspective of he he's behaving like a cornered animal now i don't know if that's his motivation as i said the north korean regime said that it was open to the chinese and russian deal of them stopping their weapons program in exchange for these exercises now we could say well why are we going to peace with them supposing supposing they back down and we back down that he's still the leader of a repressive regime. Now, the question is then, how do we influence that regime to liberalize? Well, we, I want to circle back to that. Okay. I just want to give you a history um, Go for it. of negotiations because for a lot of people do not know this. And I was on the point, before I learned this stuff, I was on the point of saying, look, even as a libertarian, a non-interventionist, a peacenik, a uh, hippie commie, pinko fag when it comes to foreign policy, yep. I, I, I just, I was on the verge of saying just like, you know, something needs to be done here. But I didn't actually understand the history of the negotiations and maybe I should have put this up front. In 1994, an agreement was made between North Korea and it was hatched by the Clinton administration and North Korea actually froze its nuclear program for 12 years. They were creating plutonium and they stopped and they made other concessions as well. But the main thing was that they had an agreement with the US to end the talk of hostilities. The US agreed to provide them with 500,000 tons of fuel oil a year in exchange for shutting down their nuclear program and the reason is well you know obviously you're not going to get any nuclear energy so we're going to give you some fuel oil so you don't need nuclear energy and they also agreed to help build two light water reactors for them and that was built by an international consortium to make sure it was safe and then it would reduce nuclear proliferation so um as i said the most important thing was both this sides agreed to drop the hostile rhetoric. Now, this agreement was signed in October 1994, but in November 1994, the Republicans took the House under Newt Gingrich, that horrible, horrible neoconservative man. And the first thing that the Republicans did was begin attacking and undermining this agreement because obviously they had the ideology yeah. that America should be the policeman of the world and make the world safe for democracy. So there's no zero tolerance, no negotiations, 
we say what we say goes. So within a couple of years, the oil shipments were delayed and the North Koreans felt that there was no movement towards ending the hostilities. And they actually became, they were complaining every time a US diplomat went to North Korea, the North Koreans were complaining that, oh, you're not honoring your end of the bargain. We had a deal and so forth. So um, then uh, the plot thickens. Uh, at the end of the Clinton administration, they were close to another agreement under which the North Korea would have ceased its production and testing of all missiles. But then the Bush, the Bush, Bush, the second Bush came into power, and even in early two thousand one, you know, you had Colin Powell on television saying he thought that the Clinton policy on North Korea was was good and that they should keep that. Well, you know, Cheney and Rumsfeld are sitting in the. The, the same room, you know, looking at him like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, and then, you know, the neocons, Rumsfeld and Wolfowitz, they were completely against any negotiations and they did it to everything they could to undermine it. You know, John Bolton, that uh, American yeah. guy who's always on the news selling every war under the sun, mm. he wrote in his memoirs that it was his intention to destroy the treaty. So in 2002, the Bush administration dredged up some old intelligence showing that North Korea was buying equipment to enrich uranium um, and they sent the State Department guy to North Korea to say the agreement's over because you're building this uranium facility, which turned out not to be. Uh, um, now, a, a few th and, and a few years later, you have um, Mossad going into Syria to intercept some um, weapons that were destined. were destined for North Korea. So the Israelis, um, uh, but that, that wouldn't have been necessary because it's only because Bush ripped up the agreement and put them on the list of the axis of evil after 9-11. For what? For what? Everything was going smoothly. So right. North Korea was like, no agreement. We're just going to go ahead with our nuclear program. And by 2006, they'd exploded the first nuclear bomb. And um, and and the, the, the Americans didn't just break down the deal. They also announced sanctions and uh, they supported the right to seize, seize North Korean boats on the high seas and released a new document on their preemptive war strategy after 9-11, which included North Korea. Uh, Obama, Obama, the good guy, everyone's yeah. favorite president. Uh, <laughs> like Obama just basically even refused to even talk to North Korea. So he just continued the Bush policy. Yeah, just went in a half so, North Korea. Yeah, so now the US specifically doesn't permit, as we've been talking about South Korea, South Korea from negotiating with North Korea, even though they want to. And several top Trump administration officials spoke on Friday top Trump. about the situation with North Korea, stating that all military options were on the table and all that stuff. Yeah. So, so but that's just... nobody's talking to North Korea at the moment. Then I mean, even the Chinese have stopped talking. Yeah. Which is a, have we got some comments? Yeah, Michael Arthur Brewster says negotiation is a dynamic process that relies on credibility and trust. You cannot bully. I don't know what that thing is. 
Something people yeah. across the table. Purely people across the table and expect to have either. Politicians are the worst people to be allowed to negotiate. Negotiations is a win-win activity. Politicians only understand win-lose. Well, I guess there's a lot of truth in that. Um, somebody else, can we, can we back, yeah, yeah, can we back this up? So, any other? Yeah. Yeah, because we've got quite a lot of live yeah. watchers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rocket Man. Somebody, someone, yeah, who's that? Amy... And Louise, she's just laughing. Well, she said, Kim, Kim married with children? Why are you looking for a date? <laughs> yeah. And well, do you want to find out if he's, why don't you say, is he single? And uh, Louise, are you, uh, uh, we'll try and hook you up with, with the ruler of North Korea. I'm what is sure. it that does it he'd for be, you? <laughs> is it his snappy dress sense or is it the hairdo? He, I'm sure he'd be very lucky, very, very, very lucky to have someone like you in his life, Anne Louise. So I don't know. I've never seen the woman, so I can't really say. So, or so, met her. Um, yeah, so we've got a situation where this is an interesting point, right? Yeah. How many how many soldiers in, are in the British Army? A rough well, that's a guess. good question. I can tell you. Are we talking maybe five hundred thousand or? I don't even think I'm it not, would. I, yeah. don't, I don't even think it would be anywhere near that. Okay. Um, it's, <clears throat> Maybe somewhere in the region of two hundred thousand. Okay. I'm just getting. I mean, I'm maybe How even many... including, but it's not. It's not a great amount. I mean, the American Marine Corps, just the Marine Corps on its own, is bigger. Okay. Than How many soldiers? Forces. How many American soldiers do you think there are? Uh, I don't know, maybe about a million. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's just say there are a million. Nah, How short, many? Con How many conflict resolution experts has the American government trained? Again, you have me. Yeah, a, it yeah. May, probably not more than a, you know a few dozen. Okay. So what I'm saying but, but is, you, are you guessing that? Or? I'm just, I'm just guessing. It surely but can't they, be more than a few hundred. Why can't it? There might be. But why don't they train as many conflict resolution experts? At, you know, we had Peter Fly or is it Peter Sly? On... <laughs> Peter Fly. <laughs> no, no, it's Fred Sly. Fred Sly. God, Fred, oh Sly. Fred, sorry about that if you're watching. I don't think you will be, but, you know, Fred, you know, Fred Sly. Sly on our show, yeah. right? He's Conflict he, resolution. He's guy. trained in excellent communication, and he goes into prisons and rehabilitates criminals by teaching them good communication skills. So if you want a peaceful world, why don't we train up more people like him? Okay, Christopher Irvin tells us that there's 144,000 British troops. That See, sounds it's so biblical. good to have a live audience. That sounds audience. biblical, 144,000. Uh, They're got, probably the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, yeah, the, the Jehovah's Witness troops. Uh, um, approximately, that's what they should do, send Jehovah's Witnesses to North Korea. They'll surrender immediately. Sorry if you're a JW out there, it's just a gag. Uh, Michael Arthur Bruza says approximately 800,000. It's so good to so have that's, fact checkers. So we talk Talking about the American army, that's right. Yeah. So, okay. can they not train maybe eight, eight thousand conflict resolution experts? <laughs> um, conflict resolution experts. So, so that here's the thing. Okay, so, okay, I'm saying you shouldn't ramp up the rhetoric. You shouldn't. You sh until the diplomatic options are exhausted. But maybe that's just preamble. Okay. Maybe that's what. Maybe what they're doing is like you know, let's. Let's ramp it up so that we can we can we can take it back down again. You know, let's let's bare our teeth, let's saber rattle so that they know that we mean business, and then well, we can start, the, then we start the negotiations from there. These are a bunch of the hawkishest people you know you'll ever find. I mean, it would be nice if you were right, but here's the thing, right? Well, I just want to answer the question of let's suppose 
I just want to circle back to the question of, well, you know, you guys, supposing we even Kim Jong-un does disarm, are we just going to leave him in power? Are we just going to leave his people to be under this brutal dictatorship? And this is the reason why I, I oppose sanctions, because actually, if a regime is horrible, you want to trade with them because then they start getting your goods. And then the people in that country start going, oh, these are pretty cool. We could do with more of this kind of stuff. A little bit more freedom. Yeah, but I, I don't know if, the, if that regime in the North North Korean regime is going to accept goods from abroad. You know? Well, I mean, well, I mean, it depends on the terms, doesn't it? I mean, they did actually. Now that you mention it, okay. they refused to uh, accept UN food aid when they had okay. a famine. Have, have the, do we know if they uh, if they are even open to this um, donation from South Korea of money? Of, uh, of money for, for pregnant women and children. I don't know, I, I was assuming since I didn't hear it had been rejected, I mean, that I can, it had been I accepted. Can, you would think, well, I would think that a regime like North Korea, someone like Kim would, I mean, that wouldn't that be tantamount to admitting that their regime, you know, wasn't in charge of have things? Have we tried to trade with them? I believe they have. In good faith. To all the indications seem to be that that's the case. And the, no. What okay. uh, what indication are there that the, that since the Bush since the Bush's Bush era, the Americans have in any way tried to deal with North Korea in good faith? The opposite is true. They dishonored an agreement. They put sanctions on them, so forth. Putting sanctions on someone is the opposite of trading with them in good faith. It's saying we're not going to send you anything. Okay. And, and, you know, we're all in agreement that it's a horrible regime, but how do you influence? Are we, are we in agreement influence? that it's a dangerous regime? Well, that is the question. I mean, he fired his rockets, basically. They tried to launch some rockets that completely failed. And Michael Malice, a leading expert yeah. on North Korea, said, well, they did it on purpose because they don't want to back down. So the way not to back down is to just deliberately send up a crap rocket. So people go, oh, well, I mean, they're not that dangerous. They can't even launch a rocket properly. But also he doesn't need to lose face by saying, you know, I don't know. Well, look, I mean, the Japanese are, are so concerned about this that they have, for the first time in, in, since the since the war, they have dropped, or they're looking to drop the pacifism clause in their, their constitution. Um, they want to intervene. Well, they, they, it's not that they want to intervene. I mean, they they, they, they definitely are, are shaken up by this. I mean, the, the, the missiles, are, are, are they think right. are getting pretty too close for comfort. So, I mean, it's, it's easy for us in the West, I think, to sit and say, look, well, he's, is he a threat or isn't he a threat? I guess if you're right on his doorstep, America has that base at Guam in the Pacific, which is arguably within striking distance. So that's a concern. Um, so, I mean, South, I, I'd go with South Korea in this, I suppose. If South Korea feel that they can negotiate, they should be allowed then to. they should be allowed to, without right. a doubt. Yeah. So I just want to go into a little bit of history because okay. you mentioned the Japanese occupation of North yeah. Korea. It's not like America has been a good actor in Korea um, and I'm not obviously it's not the great yeah. state in America but look so basically the American Secretary of War and the Japanese Prime Minister Kasaru Taro basically the US recognized the Japanese sphere of influence over North Korea so 
the the US basically gave Japan permission to colonize North Korea. What gave them the right to do that? You can ask this. Yeah. The Japanese, like they were absolutely horrendous in Korea. They uh, took control of the government. They banned all political organization, including the right to assemble. They banned newspapers and burnt over 200,000 books. They tried to erase the North Korean culture and force everyone to take a, sorry, the Korean culture and force everyone to take a Japanese name. By 1912, over 50,000 arrests took place. People were tortured. Um, so, and the primary cause of death for prisoners was starvation. So over 400,000 prisoners were actually sentenced to death. And, um, you know, obviously Koreans organized protests and calls for independence and they were just brutally repressed. They actually took a lot of the Korean labor force back to Japan. Yeah. So they were thinking, well, the Western powers have got colonies and they've got a sphere of influence. We should have it too. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, the Japanese boasted that you need uh, to have women to rape to keep your soldiers strong. So this is the traumatic background of the country. Yeah. Uh, after that, you had the proxy war fought by the Soviets in the US and Korea that you talked about. Yeah. And the North Koreans invaded the South. But then the America went, the Americans went in and wiped out 30% of the North Korean population. 30%. Okay. 30%. Yeah, so they used napalm. Yeah. And probably the Soviets were no better either. I mean, 30% sounds pretty high, but. In, in a war on that scale, it's probably not um, unexpected. I mean, even if you look at the the invasion of Normandy um, uh, in the Second World War, civilian casualties, French casualties and Dutch civilian casualties were absolutely horrific. Um, so, I mean, wiped out 30% of the population. I don't suppose that you could, that anybody alleges that that was deliberate. I mean, it wasn't like a genocide. Well, I don't think I mean, they, it was no, neither deliberate nor non-deliberate. They, they went in to get a job done and they just like, they used napalm like in Vietnam. Yeah. And they, ju they just wipe, it's just like wipe the cunts out. You know what I mean? Just do whatever it takes. Sorry, excuse my language. But well, it, that's war. Like, that's war. So it's probably why it's good, re good you know, reason you know, not, not to start, to start a war. A war yeah. So, um, and this is interesting because the North Korean history books, they refer to the Japanese as the Jap bastards. That is the official term. Shocking. That's, that's North, racist. I mean, racist. In, in, in North Korea, that is the official term in all the books, the Jap bastards. And America is the US imperialist. So what, what I mean to go by on this is just to say that the country is completely traumatized. Like, I don't know if you've heard of um, Lloyd DeMoss. He's written a couple of books, um, The Origins of War and Child Abuse and the Emotional Life of Nations, okay. in which he goes through history and talks about, he he co-created co a field called psychohistory, which is the application of psychology to history. And he goes, you can look at the psychology of nations, the conditions, the traumas, and you can see that when that generate, when a child, when a generation grows up, the kind of government that they create is similar to, is, is a reflection of the conditions when they were growing up. So say the the, uh, the more authoritarian regimes in Germany and uh, Japan, um, yes, even Japan, but I was gonna say Italy, 
in at the beginning of the 20th century was a reflection of they had much more authoritarian and brutal parenting styles than a lot of the rest of Europe, where you were having things like, um, you know, yeah. in the in the 19th century, uh, um, you know, the Scottish Enlightenment and a lot of, and even before that. Yeah. Was you it know, you that was telling me that in, in Prussia, for example, or even in Germany, uh, way back, it wasn't, it was kind of common practice to take a newborn baby, wrap it up in swaddling <laughs> and hang it out in the washing line yeah, in the middle of winter yeah. to kind of like the, toughen it oh, up. Wait. Oh, I think that's not quite it. It was just in the hook, coat hook. Oh, sorry, just in the coat hook. Sorry. They'd wrap up. Um, Lloyd de Moss reports that in the period that, yeah, indeed, that was quite common in Germany. They, they'd wrap the baby up in bandages and they'd just put it on the coat hook, th thinking that, you know, whatever. That I don't know if it was to toughen them up, but it was with the thought that, you know, the baby will be okay there on the coat hook. And then you had a, a whole generation, even in this country, that was raised with the you know, let the baby cry, just let the baby cry, cry it out so that it learns. And then, of course, the, the, they came back and the letter said, that's not good because the baby needs to be touched and needs cuddled and needs empathy and stuff like okay. that. So, but anyway, I don't mean to get into, I yeah. really believe in psychohistory personally. If you want to check it out, the guy's called Lloyd DeMoss. I'm pretty sure his books, The Emotional Life of Nations and the Origins of War and Child Abuse are free. Um, but if you take on that line of the the leadership of a nation is is shaped by the psychology of that nation, the psychological conditions, it's no wonder they were going to have a brutal dictatorship. It's, 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 they, they've done experiments where they've taken um, grandparent grandchildren of Holocaust survivors and uh, they find that they have higher levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, in the brain so something that's happened to your grandparents a trauma that's happened to your grandparents can be passed on to you and this is why when you think well maybe we can just go in there and impose democracy on them it's not necessarily the case that you can do that they don't have they might not necessarily have the psychology to be able to to make that switch and i don't think we can go around choosing the governments of the world so even though I think that we should do what we can. I think the first thing to do is see if negotiation is possible. And if we can get a peace treaty and get them to stop developing nuclear weapons, then we can start incentivizing them to uh, negotiate for a freer system of government. Okay, another That's couple my of, view. Another couple of comments. Uh, first of all, Annalise Whitelaw says, Anthony, are you wearing stripy trousers? Yes. And there you, there's yes, your answer. Uh, uh, well, they're not so much stripy. Do you see the shit that I have to put up with? But anyway, <laughs> stripy. Well, I can't really talk. I've got combat trousers on for a man sitting here talking about pacifism. Uh, Michael Arthur Bruza, I hope I'm pronouncing that pro uh, properly. You can let me know. Negotiations with adversaries requires cultivation to achieve an appropriate climate for success. Then it requires appropriate administration of agreements. Your description of the agreements adds context of why things are going this way. He also says that asking politicians to do negotiation is like asking fish to climb trees. Um, right. Yeah. right, because politics is based on the use of force. So, uh, have we got anything else on North Korea? Any questions? Yeah, who's got some questions? Uh, any comments? I was thinking, I tell you, uh, with so many of you from strange, that People can actually, they can update me if I'm getting this wrong, but I believe Oddly, in uh, North Korea, one saving grace, if you live there, is marijuana is uh, completely legal to grow. 
So you're saying on the issue of drug uh, legislation, uh, North Korea is more liber- libertarian than, than <laughs> on, Great Britain. On, on marijuana, US, anyway, as far as I'm concerned. I think it's, this might be, a, uh, this is anecdotal and this might not be correct, but I believe it's one of the only countries in the world where culinary-wise they have their sweet dish before they have the savoury. Mm. Yeah. Which, if you, if you live in a brutal regime, I suppose, I mean, the, your sweet always is the best bit of your dinner. So, like, as, if you're waiting for the for the secret police to crash through your door and take you away to prison for life, I suppose you want to get your pudding out of the way first before you go into your dinner. Um, I don't know if that's true, but as somebody told me that about, about uh, North Korea. Could right. be true of South Korea as well, for all I know. So, basically, we've got 25 million people there in a horrible concentration yeah. camp and there's fuck all we can do about yeah. it. I mean, we've all seen that, a nice day. that satellite image, of night image of, uh, I mean, it could, be, it could be bullshit. I mean, like you, know, you just see a picture on YouTube uh, or on uh, on Google um, where they have that picture at night of the Korean peninsula and mm. you've got North Korea in absolute darkness apart from one little speck of light in the, the capital. And... Uh, and the South Korea is absolutely shining out because it's full yeah. of value. Yeah, because, you know, we should, why would we expect South Korea's got capitalism, North, North Korea's, Korea's got, got, but it's not real socialism. Don't, don't forget it's not that real one. Socialism. It's never real socialism. It's never real socialism. Um, but here's the whenever, thing. That's if anybody the point. ever finds someone that's got real socialism, let us know. Uh, I would love to talk about that. Well, here's, yeah, and uh, and on that point, I say, well, it's never going to be real socialism because what they call real socialism defies the dream. laws of economics. Yeah. It's like saying, well, it's not a real square circle. You're never going to achieve a square circle. Well, so, Jeremy, could not be told Jeremy Corbyn that or Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Here's yeah. <laughs> so vote for so Colonel Sanders. We should have probably me. mentioned that that obviously, uh, seals just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the North Korean border, and they can actually send, if they do send a nuke to Seoul, they can kill millions of people. They don't even need a a nuke. There's about 4,000 artillery pieces, uh, not all serviceable, I would imagine. I mean, if you look at the North Korean army, they're pretty much badly equipped. Uh, It's kind of like Dad's army. I don't even think they give them all ammunition because they're terrified you know, if they've done that, then there could be a coup. So I think they ration ammunition. They might even ration the weapons. It could be like one weapon between 10 soldiers. But um, there is a hell of a lot of artillery uh, trained on Seoul. Uh, and it, they say that they could probably obliterate Seoul within a matter of days. I believe just, them. Just with artillery. So, so uh, should what we do is get our planes to fly over low and just throw tons of guns out to the people and hope that they overthrow the regime? Um, either that or just uh, tons more marijuana. <laughs> get get Kim Jong Un or uh, to smoke some of that. Maybe he'll chill out and relax. And maybe maybe he, he smokes too much of it. You know, he's got the old paranoia. You know, he's got the fear. Well, he's not he's paranoid the because there are people that are trying to take him out. So yeah, but at least so, he doesn't wear strike each other. Do you want to do another do story? You want to dance? Do you want to fuck before we? Yeah, I'll do it. I want to do a story. I want to do a bonus story here, if I can find it. Well, basically, what's happened, something uh, has happened in the UK that's disturbing. Uh, and that is the government has recently banned an organisation called uh, National, National Action. Action. Now, National Action uh, are not a group that I agree with. 
they're extremely they're well, I'm sure they'd give you an argument on this that they're, they're not right wing extremists. Um, they certainly have racist policies. Um, and are they neo Nazis? To all intents and yeah, purposes. Yeah, didn't they, they do say, the Miss Hitler? Weren't they? They'd done they Miss Hitler. Miss you could, Hitler you could write that off as a gag. You could possibly write that, but I don't think so. But anyway, they're, they're regarded as neo Nazis. They're regarded, at least they're regarded by the regime, our government, as neo Nazis. And they've banned them. Um, and I'll just read you this piece uh, from the Metro. Neo-Nazi ban extended to stop group using, uh, sorry, extended to stop group using aliases. So there was another organisation here in Scotland called uh, Scottish Dawn, um, who, relatively new organisation, very small, but they reckon that was just a cover name for National Action because the new National Actions had been, had been banned. But an order banning a neo-Nazi group is to be widened to stop the movement masquerading under different names. Scottish Dawn and NS131 National Socialist Anti-Capitalist Action will be prescribed from today after they were identified... Wait, it's one thing being against Jews and Blacks, but they're against capitalism? Yeah, I draw the I line hate, at that. I draw I the them. line at that. Right, yeah, uh, we love capitalism on this show. Love. Um, and... Uh, which became the first extreme right-wing group to be banned under terrorism laws in December 2016. An order laid in Parliament yesterday means national action cannot operate as Scottish Dawn or as NS131, which have been identified as alternative names. When the order comes into effect, being a member of or inviting support for the organisations will be a criminal offence carrying a sentence of up to 10 years imprisonment. Okay, we're just talking, you know, from one, uh, you know, totalitarian regime to a possible uh, growing of another one. Um, yeah, so I somehow have a feeling that the communist organisations at the university... Yeah, I don't think they're going to ban Antifa somehow, right? You know, I think that'll, that'll be all right. You can smash up shops and attack people and punch people in the face while they're doing a piece to camera, and that's all okay. Um, again, I'm not defending national no. actions policies. I just think, you know, if, for anybody who's clapping and cheering at this, uh, you idiots, don't you know that this sense of precedent, once the government can start to decide, I mean, okay, if an organisation is involved in an act of, in, in an act of terrorism. Sedition. Uh, well, not an act of terrorism, right? No. They're actually going out there to, to hurt people, to kill people. Then actually Show no then, mercy. Then show no mercy. Have, have, have them for that. Um, but regardless of their ideology, I mean, before you, I mean, let's say National Action is a vile, racist, homophobic and anti-Semitic group which glorifies violence and stirs up hatred while promoting their position, uh, poisonous ideology. And I will not allow them to masquerade under different names, said Amber Rudd. The oh, Home my Secretary. God. Now, we've had, we've had problems with Amber Rudd before on this, this show. Um, by extending the prescription of national action, we are halting and spread the spread of a poisonous oh, ideology and stopping its membership from growing. No, I think no, you're going to... You know, you're actually empowering yeah. them. And also, now you don't know who the Nazis are. Yeah. Because Protecting those who could be at risk of radicalisation. Oh, Our priority God. will always be to maintain the safety and security of families Wait and communities across the UK. And we will continue to identify and ban any terrorist group which threatens us. And I don't know, apart from some guys who were arrested who were part of the British Army who were definitely uh, looks like they were going to be involved in acts and terrorism of terrorism and they seem to be member of national action 
then again, get those guys and lock them up lock if they were up. going to actually commit terrorist acts. Um, but then, according to its website, Scottish Dawn is a patriotic society for the defence of our race and nation active across Scotland. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's all sorts of problems with this. Once the government can decide uh, which organisations uh, should be banned and that you can't be a member of or you will go to jail, it's, I mean, how long is it before they decide libertarians? Right. Um, are, are a problem. Anybody who questions the government could be a problem. This sets a precedent. I don't think it's a good thing. I think Amber Rudd can seriously reconsider this. There are other ways of tackling this. Do you Banning think it it's not... just... I mean, it, what, didn't you learn like the lessons when we banned Sinn Féin and right. banned them from talking, you know? It was just absurd. For those of you who don't know, the, uh, Margaret Thatcher, under Margaret Thatcher, Sinn Féin was were prescribed as an organisation uh, that's uh, the political wing of the Proscribed, Irish Republic. by the way, not prescribed. Yeah, not prescribed. <laughs> prescribed. Uh, and um, they, are the they were the political wing of the provisional IRA in Ireland. And we had the absurd just... situation where they weren't allowed to broadcast uh, the voices of these people on our television. So they drafted in actors <laughs> to just so you would have like Jerry Adams on the television uh, and you'd have some like voiceover actor, you know, like Dominic Frisbee. <laughs> you know, do, I'm not suggesting for a minute Dominic Frisbee done uh, the, the voice of Jerry Adams. I think actually, I think Steve Coogan might have actually done the voice of Jerry Adams at one time uh, on, on one of these broadcasts because they weren't allowed to do it live. But the loophole was they could bring in a voice actor and the voice actor could, to, could do the voice. Uh, right. Absurd, you know, and again, I don't agree with Sinn Féin any more than I agree with National Action, but I don't think banning these organisations is what you do in a, in a supposedly liberal democracy. So here's the thing, we know that increasingly the left, the political left, who used to be all for free speech in the 60s and 70s, mm. Well, they are for free speech, as long as it's free, as long as it's speech that they agree with. Okay. <laughs> Right, duh. duh. I mean, yeah, everyone right. knows that. Yeah. Everyone's for their own free speech, right? Yeah. We know that the left increasingly have problems with free speech, and to be fair, within that, there is like people who say, "Well, you know, you, there's leftists who say, well, 'Well, I'm not such social justice.' There, those are social social justice warriors. Those are the regressive left. No, we're the progressive left. We are for free speech. Okay, yeah. but we know that increasingly the left is hostile to free speech. Now we've got the Conservatives who are showing, not only showing, Small but legislating against free speech. Who is going to stand up and say, you sir, I disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Well, clearly you said but right now, but you didn't stand well, up and say Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not willing to fight to the death for national action, uh, for national actions, right to say it. But if they do come down my door and say, and try and take my sp free speech away, I might be willing to, to yeah. So uh, let the people be speak. a bit more brave. Let's free expression reign, mm -hmm. even if it's The only cure you know. for bad ideas is to be able to talk about them. Yeah. And, and let South Korea talk to North Korea if they want to. Yeah. It and also, to do with America. 
And also, if, you know, if people have got racist views and things like that, you want to actually know who those people are. You don't want to ban them from organizing so they go on ground. Hell, you want to get them on the TV talk shows and actually pick their brain and find out what, you know, what's going on in here? What makes you think this, you know? Yeah. People have... Um, Sunlight tribal... is the best disinfectant. Exactly. That's what they say. But uh, I don't know. I once had a cut in my leg and I sat out in the sunshine with it for a cut and it just festered. You know? <laughs> so yet again, these so-called experts get it wrong. <laughs> so like all maggoty and shit. <laughs> so, so we done. I Are we done here? Until next week. Until the next time. Be a libertarian. Yeah. Don't be a North Korean. <laughs> Don't be a South Korean. Right. <laughs> Don't be a lefty or a righty.